Hola. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How was your trip? Oh, girl, it was too damn short. Uh, <laughs> it was, what was the weather was like? Nice. Uh, it was nice Um, up until, I want to say, like, Saturday evening. Like, then, like, it cooled down a lot. Mm. And then, like, um, it was just raining a lot of Sunday. But it was still really nice. I had a, I had a good time. It's beautiful out that way. Yeah, for sure. It's been a while since I've been out that way. But yeah. got a concert at Red Rocks. That was awesome. Yeah. I want that's literally a bucket list item yeah. like for me I want to get to a show out there so bad yes. um so yeah we uh we did, we did a little bit we did a little bit of around Denver day one and then uh sun Saturday uh we were just out at the brewery Sunday we um traped around Fort Collins and uh Emily took me driving through the foothills down there oh so good it was nice. so beautiful yeah nice. awesome I can't wait yeah. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Last week was a grind. Last week oh, yeah. was a grind. But you know what? We're here. This week's uh, mm-hmm. looking promising. So we're going to lean into yeah. that. <laughs> Absolutely. Love to hear that. Well, uh, definitely, um, you know, we'll hope that uh, this space goes smoothly. Uh as uh, we get started here uh, for Erica, I am Angelica Rodriguez. Welcome to the Founding Four. Um, we have a pretty, um, I'm going to say we have a pretty serious show today. You know, we definitely try to bring some levity to our discussions, but today is definitely a little bit heavier of a topic. Um We are going to be discussing Katie Stone and the Harvard Crimson. Uh, Katie, of course, being allowed to retire just last week amid the investigation of her mistreatment of athletes uh, on in her program. Um, We have some content warnings here. I really want to go over, uh, namely, um, we're going to be discussing some language um, surrounding racism, homophobia, mental and emotional abuse. Uh, body shaming leading to development of eating disorders, gaslighting, sexual harassment, and hazing. Um, so if you are familiar with the story, you know that those are going to be some of the topics that we broach. But even if not, you know, we definitely encourage you to protect your peace. Uh, if this is going to be too much of a heavy topic for you, we totally understand. We would much rather that you set this one out and we will join you in the next one. But for those of us who, or for those of you who are going to be joining us today, we definitely thank you. And uh, we hope that you get something out of the discussion we're going to bring today. Yeah. uh, Thank you for that, Angelica. And yeah, I think we first need to uh, note that we are primarily working off of the reporting that's come from the Boston Globe and The Athletic. And the first article that I saw on this topic came from The Athletic, and mm-hmm. it came from Haley Salvian and Katie Strang on March 10th, 2023. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, so I'll just read, honestly, like the first paragraph I think really hits on a lot of things. And then you, you already alluded to... <clears throat> the um, retirement, and we're going to get into that as well. But just to take it back to the origin, um, and this is coming again from The Athletic, March 10th, 
quote, the Harvard's the Harvard women's hockey program under scrutiny following a January report from the Boston Globe that alleged abusive behavior by coach Katie Stone and hazing within the program held naked skates that were considered hazing by some players. And during a preseason event known as the freshman fun night, some newcomers felt pressured to consume alcohol, simulate sex acts, according to new reporting by the athletic. Um, and so that's kind of what we're dealing with here. We, uh, you know, I think hazing and abuse, unfortunately, have for a long time, way too long, been a part of not just college culture, sports culture, um, but I think that we're thankfully seeing people step step into the light and talk about these things and talk and also set boundaries. And mm-hmm. so I think it's important to anchor the conversation in that there are a group of young adults that are having, quite honestly, lower tolerance for, quote unquote, what used to be just expected behavior and a given. And it's just like, you know, locker room talk akin to how we sometimes talk about, oh, that's just locker room talk. That's just how it is. I think we are really seeing a culture shift. So I think that's important. So again, um, the reporting, the Boston Globe, the athletic, um, and we also know, we just want to sit in the facts for, before we get into our commentary, but um, the, University hired law firm Jenner and Block to conduct a review. And as of the athletics last reporting, which again has come since the retirement of Stone, um, the the university or Harvard, I should say, um, has said and confirmed that the investigation is complete. As far as I know, though, we have not heard any updates on what the results and findings of said investigation um, were. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important to note too, Jenner and Block, if that name sounds familiar, Mm -hmm. is the same firm that investigated the Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault allegations um, during the 2009-10 season. Um, Of course, Kyle Beach um, bringing um, allegations to light involving a video coach, Brett Aldrich. Um, Jenner and Block handled that report, um, did a very thorough job, and that uh, report did lead to a $2 million fine to the Blackhawks organization, prompted multiple resignations, including general manager Stan Bowman, former coach Joe Quinville, and senior vice president of hockey operations, Al McIsaac. Now, what that means for Harvard um, yet to be determined, um, as as you mentioned, Erica, um, you know, I think a lot of people did uh, believe that the results of the investigation, um, you know, and, and the, the disciplinary actions um, that followed from the Blackhawks investigation were definitely uh, less than uh, expected or less than desired. Um, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that the investigation was not thorough. Um, so we'll, yeah. we'll definitely see what, what happens there. Yeah, and I think that that last point that you make is an interesting one because we sit here now for those who follow NHL. Um, we have the Blackhawks with the number one pick um, mm-hmm. in the draft coming out of all of the conversation uh, surrounding Kyle Beach and the investigation. So yes, the investigation can be thorough and 
and there can still be questions regarding um, how thorough or just perhaps the punishments from said investigation um, will be or have been in the case of the Blackhawks. So I wanted to put that out there as well. Um, so before we get to the retirement, because we do have some quotes, again, these are the newer quotes, but I just want to get your thoughts, Angelica, when, when you were reading the report or hearing about the reports, what were some of your, I mean, takeaways almost seems a little bit inappropriate, but what, what are some of the things that really stood out to you and, and were perhaps the most concerning regarding the allegations? Um, you know, just the span of allegations. It wasn't just allegations coming from recent players. It wasn't just allegations coming from players from, you know, two decades or more ago. Um, this spanned the entire spectrum of uh, Katie Stone's career with the Harvard Crimson. Um, you had multiple players, some from as recently as 2022, speaking up against the treatment that they received and, and coming forward with um, their experiences. And I think that that in general is really something that, um, you know, it just tells me that these stories and these allegations for anybody, I mean, I am not somebody who uh, dismisses allegations anyway, but for anybody who may have been thinking that this is just a couple of players recently, no, these are multiple players from multiple eras of the Harvard Crimson. So for that to be something that, is so prevalent no matter what year you played, I think hit me the hardest. You know, it really is a culture that she built and it really is something that she thought was appropriate for any, you know, era of her program, not just, you know, as she can gathered success or, you know, as Harvard did fall out of um, its pattern of success, you know, that wasn't just something that she picked up recently. Like this is a full on, um, it's just, a, it's just a, a culture that she built. Um, also, you know, just the way that she encouraged such division within the team. Um, Marina McDonald, who was quoted extensively in the initial long form uh, that Haley and Katie uh, reported in the athletic um, had a really, really, um, a comment that I feel really kind of sums it up. Um, Marina played, um, I believe, in within the last five years of the program. Um, the longer the season goes, the more the team just falls apart because she pits us against each other and creates this dynamic where we're not rooting for each other to be at our best. We're waiting for someone to fall so we can be in their shoes. Um, that, I think, sums it up. You know, Katie... And Katie Stone encouraging this division amongst teammates, um, one, to, I don't know, I guess stoke her own ego and uh, I think as well as to kind of keep control. Because obviously if you have a, a group of athletes who are not wary of each other, if you have a group of athletes who, um, you know, band together, it's a lot easier for them to kind of stand up as a whole and denounce what you're doing. Yeah, right? I think, you know, and also going back to that original Boston Globe article, um, you know, it's something that one of the captains oh. of the 2019-2020 team said, you yeah. know, 
quote, it's a culture of complete fear when it comes to stone, said Ali Pepper, um, again, captain of the 2019-2020 Harvard team, uh, goes on to say there is clearly a way to coach without making people hate their lives. Um, so, you know, some of this was, again, not just division, some of it flat out racist, like when it came to uh, Mariah, I believe is uh, her first name, right? Um and and of indigenous uh, descent, and you know, making comments that were quoted here, and then looking directly at one of the, the native yeah. indigenous players. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, uh, it's just it's it's difficult to hear. Yeah, it's it's not. It's something I can't really wrap my head around. Um, you know, and especially again, Marina McDonald being one of the more recent players, um, there were sprinklings throughout the athletics reporting of these comments being thrown out so casually, um, you know, not just racist comments, but also, you know, homophobic comments. Um, there was a player who was from Japan who had some um, some very, very uh, like downright horrible things being um, directed at her. Um, Just looking at um, some of the reporting here, I'm going to try my best to find it quickly, but, um, you know, what really stood out to me is that nobody really opened up and said anything. Um, You know, the the player from Japan said uh, during her freshman season, 2017, 2018, this is reading from the athletic article now, uh, when she offered a dissenting opinion on a uniform decision, she says Stone said to her in front of the team, in this country, we make decisions democratically. The next season in November of 2018, associate coach Lee J. Mirasolo used a team speech to lionize a World War II veteran who shot down five Japanese planes. The player had been a regular in the lineup her first three seasons at Harvard, but she barely played her senior season for reasons she said were never explained to her. So things just like that, Mm, very pointed discussions, very pointed language, you know, designed to make a player feel uncomfortable, especially if they feel as though they should have a voice. Wow. Yeah. And I think also, again, going back just to the globe, there had been things like, um, so um, I'm going to use the term like that player, ho- said, hello? Um, hello? Eric, I'm not sure if you're still hello? here. Yep, um, still here. Let me just make sure. Hello? Hello. Um, hello. So with, with all of that being said, I mean, it, it's obviously, it's, let me just see. See Erica connecting. Okay, let me. I do apologize, guys. Okay, I got you. Yeah, I don't know. That was weird. I was talking and apparently you can hear me. But um, anyway, what I was saying is that um, there were reports that there had been surveys that were completed uh, throughout uh, what seems like the athletic department and out of, I guess, 42 different teams, you know, the, the women's team, the women's hockey team came in dead last as far as like creating a a positive culture. There were also times where um, there was a signed survey document circulated by the school. Um, 
and and players were giving feedback but that no one reached out to follow up. Um, so, and unfortunately we hear this. I mean, we talked about the Kyle Beats situation by way of the same law firm doing the investigation, but I feel like too often when it comes to not just hockey, um, we see this in other sports, unfortunately, but there are systems in place for reporting but then apparently, I would argue conveniently, nobody, allegedly, nobody knows, even though there are these systems put in place, who is responsible um, for following up, which, of course, is interesting, but it's also ridiculous because mm-hmm. as an adult, especially in a situation where you're working with teenagers, essentially, and twenty young 20-something-year-old people, um, I would hope that we have enough common sense to when someone is speaking out that we, as, uh, as a person who is working in a department that receives this information, that we find a way to follow up. Like, how, like how difficult is that? I'm it's, so... it's not very difficult at all. And I feel like it's a convenient way. I think that a lot of these things that are used for reporting i think make a really good show for the pro- for the athletic program or the athletic department or a school in general um i think they make a good show of being compliant with you know whether it's title nine or anything like that or just being able to provide a safe space for those who need it to come forward i think it's great lip service it's not um well done in practice and i think that might I don't want to say it's by design. I don't want to put on my tinfoil hat here, but, you know, I do really think that it says a lot when a player, multiple players have voiced these concerns um, year in and year out, multiple players, just within the last two seasons, I think it was something like nine players left the Harvard Crimson program, um, either transferring to another school or quitting hockey entirely. And it takes um it, it it takes a, a news a newspaper saying something and reporting it and creating a public relations nightmare for the for the school before they even decide to try and do something um that to me it just it it smacks of you know we don't actually care we just want to pretend like we do and so we've been holding on the conversation of Stone retiring, but I feel like this is an appropriate time to bring that yeah. in. So let's go back to, as you mentioned at the top, last week. And I'm going to start us off. Um, so this is a press release that came from Harvard. And these are quotes from Katie Stone herself. Uh, quote, it has been my distinct pleasure to represent Harvard and lead our storied program for nearly three decades. The opportunity to coach and empower the amazingly talented women of Harvard hockey has been both a personal and professional privilege. The relationships fostered with my players over the years has been the very best part of my job. Their personal accomplishments, both at Harvard and beyond, along with our shared achievements, will always be a point of great pride and inspiration for me. And so again, this is a retirement. And I mean, then, um, 
Stone goes on to say the decision to retire from any profession is never an easy decision for coaches stepping down from the bench, leaving the program you have poured your heart and soul into for this many years is especially hard. I believe a coach knows in their heart when it is time for change, and I look forward to supporting the next chapter in Harvard women's hockey. So Stone, no comments that speak to the allegations and then athletic director Aaron McDermott also in the same press release quote we recognize the decades of service and commitment that Katie has given to this university and athletic department we thank her for all she has done to build the women's hockey program here and we wish her the best in her future endeavors so we see this a lot in sports um I mean, we see it in all professions, but we see in sports that people are given the opportunity to perhaps retire um, when they are a part of reporting or um, the the fi- or concrete findings that are damning and that put a blemish on the organization. So, I mean, just Angelica, when you read this, I mean, I read some of the quotes again, there's a little bit more. And when we post this, we'll put it in the show notes. But I mean, what was your reaction to what Harvard put out and what they didn't say or address? (laughs) I mean, I think it's, it's pretty, uh, (laughs) it's pretty standard damage control, right? Um, they don't say a lot about the reasons why she's retiring. It's kind of an opportunity symbol, similar to what the Chicago Blackhawks did, giving her a chance to bow out gracefully um, or, you know, as gracefully as she can amidst allegations as serious as this. Um, it's, I mean, it's disappointing. It's still kind of putting kind of a, a coat of paint on a, uh, on a, on a burn hole. Like it's, it's, it's something that, you know, here we're going to highlight all the wonderful things she's done for her program and say nothing about the reasons behind her leaving. We're not going to say anything in support of the players who came forward and alleged this abuse. Um, We're not going to say anything about the culture in a negative light. We're just going to focus on the fact that she has been able to build this legacy for herself without realizing that the the abuse is part of the legacy at this point. Yeah. And that's, I think what's disappointing because um, I'm just going to use another example. Um, Sometimes when we see public figures who pass on um, similarly, you'll, you'll get a lot of kind of their greatest hits and I'll be honest since I've lost a a direct family member, my thoughts on some of that, they've changed, but I'll go to something recent that I, that happened. There was a football slash actor and his name is escaping me. And I, I didn't think to, I didn't think of this till just now, but anyway, so uh, this gentleman, you know, uh, Jim Brown, he, Yes, thank you. I was going to say Brown, but I was not sure. It was not Jim that was. Anyway, yes, thank you. Um, So arguably, or not, to a lot of football um, people, the the best player, certainly in his position that we've ever seen, um, that includes, uh, you know, just 
record after record. Um, but what I liked about the reporting, at least as I was seeing it, is that it was CBS. They also reported that after his retirement, I guess he was also an actor, and that there are a lot of things in his personal life that um, were um, not great. <laughs> and the CBS report mentioned those things. I think there's a way that you can you can honor what people have done. Like if the, the truth of the matter is Katie Stone was at Harvard for all of those years. The truth of the matter is she was coaching some of arguably some of the greatest Olympians that we've seen on the women's side. Those things are true. Those are true. And we don't have the, the quote unquote privilege of time in this case, as we did with Jim Brown. But I, I do think it's fair to hold and to present the facts that Katie Stone was also uh, connected to a lot of allegations of abuse, of racism, of downplaying severe injuries, including concussions. Now, is that is is it realistic to think that a college is going to do that? I mean, probably not. Right. Is there a way that a college can thank Stone and hold space to let us know at minimum that they are continuing to investigate? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think the way we've never, I, I, let me say it this way. I've never seen it. Mm -hmm. And I can understand why people might find it difficult, but that doesn't, just because it's difficult or uncomfortable. I mean, imagine how difficult and uncomfortable it has been for people who've experienced this to speak on it. And now they have a coach that is getting, you know, at least on, on paper or, you know, on the internet, getting, getting to ride off into the sunset. And at least publicly, we don't have any more understanding of how the university is handling the allegations. Yeah, and I think that's the most frustrating thing. It's as simple as saying, you know, Katie Stone is retiring following, you know, this X number of years, X number of titles, X number of accomplishments. We thank her for her time at the same time. We can't ignore the fact that there are multiple athletes who have suffered under her tenure or something along those lines, there's a way to go about it, especially in the wake of, you know, and I, and I wanted to bring this up a little bit sooner, but, you know, we have kind of found a bit of a reckoning when it comes to speaking up about abuse. Um, you know, I think that it started a little bit with the Me Too movement and it's kind of grown um, bigger than that now. Um, you know, I think that, of course, that movement is still, you know, going, and it has made it very much easier for people to come forward and people to say things, but the institutions are still very, very stubborn in how they want to handle those allegations and how they yeah. want to handle those things. I think that's where the differences come in is that we're ready for change. The institutions are not because them, it's a capitulation of power. Mm, that's, I think, very profound what you're saying. And I think the proximity to power or um, 
influence is important here. And it's something else that we had on our rundown because, again, I just mentioned it, right? 30 some odd years, three decades, however Mm -hmm. many Olympians in that time. And who are the athletes that we've been hearing speak up for Stone and the Harvard program? (laughs) Those those same Olympians. Um, And uh, that is, again, something I mean, I think we saw it even in the beginning of the long form um, detailing the allegations um, in the athletic. We've we've seen a lot of it is a lot of people are banding together to, you know, essentially protect stone. Um, And it is, I think, that that. proximity to power and that proximity to what is perceived as greatness that allows people to kind of overlook it's kind of like the ends justifying the means you know it doesn't matter how we got there but I was able to get on the Olympic team I was able to win this championship I was able to get this team to pay attention to me or or whatever the case may be um Unfortunately, um, we have seen some very high profile um, players such as Angela Ruggiero, of course, the Team USA legend on the blue line, saying she had a wonderful experience with Coach Stone as far as the Boston, the reporting of the Boston Globe goes. You know, she said, uh, this is direct quote from Ruggiero in the Boston Globe. She was a phenomenal coach who created an amazing culture for her team both with the U.S. program and Harvard hockey. I'm sad to see her go, but I'm excited for her next adventure, and no doubt she will be successful wherever she ends up. Um, That (laughs) phrasing, especially when we talk about the amazing culture, the culture is the problem, my dear. Um, The culture is 100% the problem. And that's what's being investigated. So you may not have had the same experience, but I mean, that doesn't mean that it never happened. And reporting of The Athletic indicated as much when they detailed how Katie Stone would basically pit teammates against each other, have her favorites, have the players who were not her favorites, and had... You know, teammates essentially snitching each other out, teammates reporting on who was dating who, teammates reporting on who was, you know, doing something that they maybe shouldn't have been doing, you know, based on, I don't want to assume, but based on the quote, I wouldn't put it past Angela Jero to be one of Stone's favorites. And that's why she had the the, um, experience that she had. That is, you know, that will color your understanding of a situation and to not even acknowledge that another player, even on your team may not have had the same uh, experience is extremely ignorant and extremely ill-informed. And I'm frankly very disappointed in that response. Uh, yeah, and the Boston Globe in their original report also had Julie Chu alluding to her time at Harvard, also saying that she felt supported as an Asian woman and also as a uh, as a gay woman. Um, but I think the last point that you made is is critically important. I've been in situations um, where someone is saying like, yo, this is my experience. And sometimes I can speak to this, especially in sports. I'm like, you know, um, that that's not what I'm experiencing. And I hear you like 
you know, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye out on that, you know, because that, that's the thing about these types of things and people who are alleged and who actually abuse over time is that you kind of get hip to how to keep doing the crappy stuff that you're doing. And, you know, not everyone is built the same. Um, And, you know, there's just some things that you're not going to get, you're not going to be able to continue to perpetuate when it comes to certain people. And um, I think it's also interesting that we're talking about people who've been involved in USA hockey, who of course has had their own reckoning, arguably maybe a little reckoning light, but anyway, for another deep dive, but um, you know, <laughs> there, and it goes to something else that Angelica, we wanted to talk about and we kind of led in our Twitter spaces, but like, is a part of the problem that there's a problem with how we perceive these allegations and these actions in hockey? Yeah, I, I would say so. I I think that that's a big part of it. Um, you know, I think that it's important to validate everybody's experience, right? It's important to validate somebody who may go through some of this will no doubt come away like uh, it wasn't the best, but I'm not going to be completely damaged by it. Whereas somebody else perceives it as a very, very real issue and something that was incredibly damaging for them and for their career. And you can argue that a lot of that is based on the sensitivity of the person, but then there are also some things that are just objectively bad, you know, singling out one player and having your teammates chant at them how much they hate them if they're late or if they miss a practice or whatever, that is objectively bad. You know, having players who is so unnecessary, like, it is, you know, you know, hassling and body shaming people to the point where they develop eating disorders. That is objectively horrible. You know, that is not something that somebody can say, I, I don't know in any form where somebody can say, and this is, again, I'm coming as, as somebody who has struggled with disorder. So, you know, this is something that affects me greatly. And for somebody to say, you know, I have an eating disorder by the time I finish in that program, you know, that is objectively horrible. You know, having somebody feel like they will be, ostracized if they speak out or you know somebody who does speak out and then is subjected to racial harassment and racist language that is objectively bad those are not things that i think that you can look at and say oh well you know it wasn't that horrible and i think anybody who does is coming from a place of privilege who has never had to think about that who's never had to think about weighing their words they've never had to think about you know being scared to speak up. And I mean, you and I, again, have had these conversations, even one-on-one with each other, where, you know, one of us may not be experiencing the same thing that the other is doing, but we understand that those things are different. And there are aspects of our life, of our upbringing and of our personality, whatever the case may be, we have different things going on in our lives that will yield different experiences. And I think that you can acknowledge that and you can acknowledge that somebody else's experience is very, very different to yours without 
dismissing it. Um, and I think that Nicole Carrero's statement, Nicole Carrero, of course, being the current uh, executive director of the PHFPA um, and a former Harvard Crimson player as well, um, she did some of this, but it's still a little bit troubling um, what she said. Uh, again, this is from the Boston Globe. I'm very grateful to Katie Stone. She was an amazing coach and mentor to me. My four years at Harvard were some of the best years of my life. And a lot of it was because of the person she motivated, motivated me to be and the culture that she fostered. Again, there's that culture piece. Um, I get that not every single person had the experience I had with Katie. I get that these di those different experiences translated into different feelings toward her. All of that is equally valid. I have never disputed or questioned that. What's sad for me is that there's a perception of her retirement, that being in brackets, being at least somewhat associated with, with what transpired over the last few months. For the players she has helped to develop as some of the best to ever play the game and some of the most wonderful people you've ever met, it's sad that that's not what the lasting memories of her legacy may be. And yeah. again, we come back to my issue. The culture and the legacy are tied to the abuse. Correct. And I think also <sighs> I can understand someone like Nicole feeling that way. Right. And it's disappointing because it's almost like the 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 openness to differences of opinions and holding space and believing the people who've come forward about their abuse was sandwiched between and this is unfortunate that this is happening to stone right and when if you don't if you don't treat people like crap and you listen to them when they say like bruh that's not cool then you won't have your legacy tainted. There are going to be people who do not agree with what I say. There are going to be people who are like, yo, Erica didn't do X, Y, and Z. And you know what? I have to eat that. Those are my actions. And I'm not living up to my own standard or, um, you know, a standard that was collectively set and agreed upon. Those, those things happen. I can sit yep. here and, and run through all of those things that have happened in my life and continue to happen. That's people, people mess up. This is different. This is having a naked skate. It's reported that the after the Boston Globe article, there was another naked skate. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to understand under what circumstances outside of the body issue, do you need to, as a coach, have a mandatory naked skate as part of the, the team building activity for a college sport? You don't, you don't. And you know, it, it and that's kind of what bothers me more than anything is that it, the culture and the quote unquote legacy continued even in the wake of the initial reporting. Um, you know, there wasn't any thought to the fact that, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we, you know, even if you didn't think it was that big of a deal, even if that was maybe, uh, you know, whatever it is, maybe you should just think about what kind of message that sends. And that just shows how little they thought 
that these things were going to affect them, or maybe they thought that it was overblown. Maybe they thought it was a sign of defiance and a sign of banding together to protect Stone and to and to support her. And again, so much of this has been supporting Katie Stone, when in reality, Katie Stone does not need support. Katie Stone does not need defending. Katie Stone can retire now, and I'm sure some school somewhere will be calling her in the next week to discuss an open position just like joel quenville just like stan bowman just like anybody who is attached to any kind of scandal these things do not quote unquote cancel somebody and i'm sick of pretending like is the case i really i'm gonna um i'm gonna make this um personal for me, one, because it's very fresh for me, but also to create, hopefully, what, how, how hopefully we can eliminate that culture that you're talking about. I had a very public situation or, um, by way of some, another women's basketball reporter that drew parallels <clears throat> to a situation that I was in with, a, with an outlet I no longer write for. And... If people over the last year have asked me about this outlet or if I have had concerns about people entering into um, a working relationship with that outlet, I have expressed it. But more often than not, I have said, if, if I want to make sure that you are able to have your own opinion of this situation and if you have specific questions that you want to ask me, I will answer them. That all changed for me when this outlet was called out and their plan to fix the problems that they were now being told that they had multiple times over was to say, aha, we've got it. We now have a social media policy and we will not have what is said we will, we will not say these things publicly, and if people do say them publicly, uh, then we will eventually remove them from our platform. As if it was the problem that the statements were public. It wasn't right. the statements were made public. It was that the statements existed in a professional setting. Right. Again, going back to culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... At that point in time, when it became clear that the problem, the root issue was not understood by that outlet, that's when I then shared my account Um, and very matter of factly and move on. Now, I've said my piece. I'm no longer with that outlet. And I don't know what's going to become of that. I don't think I'm the right person to fix that that area. But we have an issue where when people make very detailed, very logical um, statements about how they were treated at minimum, at minimum unprofessionally, Mm -hmm. that their boundaries were multiple times over challenged or just flat out disrespected, that's not even getting into allegations of just disgusting abuse. Mm -hmm. We live in a society where if you tell someone that I don't resonate with the term minority, I'm being difficult. 
when I ask people to pronounce my name correctly or use my middle initial, those things apparently are really hard for some people. How in the world am I ever going to have a conversation with someone about uh, how they misgendered someone, about how they're using uh, racist slang to represent a group of people if they can't even respect the fact that you're not saying my name properly? This episode of the Founding Four podcast is brought to you by the Bounceless Control Sports Bra. I love the Bounceless Control Sports Bra because I have found that my bust has grown as I've gotten a little older. And as a former Division I athlete, I'm used to working out a certain way, but I haven't been able to find the support that I need when it comes to sports bras to get back to the active lifestyle that I am accustomed to. But that is no more with the Bounceless Control Sports Bra. I came across Chantel and her team while living here in Tulsa. It is a Tulsa-owned a black women-owned business, and as someone who now uses the Bounceless Control Sports Bra, I can tell you that the adjustable straps on the shoulder are great. Even when I wear normal bras, I sometimes have the, whether it's the wire digging into my ribs or uh, the little adjustable straps digging into my shoulders, and that is not the case with the Bounceless Control Sports Bra. The adjustable straps are very comfortable. I don't need the chest strap, but I like that it's there just in case I need additional coverage or as you know the bras get a little bit tighter or looser sometimes it's always nice to know that there'll be an extra layer of support so if you have ever had difficulty finding a sports bra that will help you with full coverage so you can live your fully active lifestyle I think you should check out the Bounceless Control Sports Bra. We're so grateful that they've partnered with us at Black Rosie Media, which of course includes the Founding Four podcast. So get the support you need to take on any workout as a fuller bust woman and head to the website bounceless.com, enter promo code BRM, which stands for Black Rosie Media, and you will receive 15% off your first order. And again, that is the website bounceless.com. Enter promo code BlackRosyMedia to receive 15, 15% off your first Bounceless Control Sports Bra. I wish you a healthy and active lifestyle. Right, right. And it, it becomes, uh, <laughs> it becomes like we're supposed to be on square 10 and we haven't even lifted a foot off of square one. And it's a conversation that we've had, like I said, Erica, you and I have had that multiple times. We've had that in private. You know, I, you know, am in a working relationship through one of my outlets with the outlet that you were speaking of. Um, and it is something that we have taken very seriously. And I, I did voice my concerns about that because of the fact that it, it takes multiple of us to say it. it shouldn't even one should be too much because one indicates that you know there could be more who just don't feel comfortable saying it and obviously you know that's part of the problem at harvard um and it's it's been a problem with this outlet as well uh, obviously it's just it, it's it's a situation where it's so difficult to have to balance your personal views and your personal experiences with the need to be quote unquote professional, right? With the need to make sure that you're not messing up your bag or make, make sure that you're not messing up your relationships with others because of how you feel. 
Um, and it's something that I really, really wish that we had a better grip on as a community, um, whether it's in athletics and media, what, what have you. It's something I really, really wish that we could understand is that, you know, it's not unprofessional to voice your dissatisfaction with someone or with their outlet. It's not unprofessional to say, hey, this is not okay. What was unprofessional was the actions of the outlet and the actions of the person running it and the, per and the people working within it in the first place. Those are the unprofessional actions. Me speaking out about it, if that's what you're worried about, you are worried on the wrong damn uh, point. And, right. and, that's yeah, and that's exactly why I wanted to, to say that and offer that parallel because it happens time and time again. So again, I can hold space in my brain for whether it's Nicole or Angela or Julie, like we've mentioned, who are quoted talking about Katie Stone. I can hold space for them reflecting on their experience and having a positive experience. And I can even hold space for them grieving that what they know to be true is not how everyone perceives the Harvard program, especially now people who were not in the program. That's difficult. I think we can hold space that as human beings, those are difficult things to process. What we don't do enough of is holding space also for people who are really struggling in hearing Olympian after Olympian after executive director hold the space for the good and not ask it at minimum clarifying questions about the reporting. Right. And that's, that's exactly it. That's what left such a bad taste in my mouth is that again, it goes back to the positive. It's always cloaked in this positivity when in reality, we need to look at everything as a whole amidst the positive uh, positivity for one was a wealth of negativity for multiple others. And, you know, I, I can hold space for that. I can hold space for the idea that, you know, it may be difficult for some people. I personally, again, and again, this is me speaking to my experience and me speaking to a little bit of a blind spot that I have, you know, I may not completely understand because I think that, you know, certain people of certain groups have to be a little more, um, a little more aware that the person that they looked up to may not be everything that they seem. Um, you know, the phrase don't meet your heroes has been a part of my uh, lexicon for a very long time at this point. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, but it is difficult, you know, for somebody to look up, you know, to somebody else for so long, for somebody to look up to a coach for so long and to have the experiences and to learn what they've learned from them and then turn around and find out, hey, five of my teammates had these horrible issues with her. Um, and I didn't see it because I was on this side of the line and they were on that side. Um, it, that is a difficult thing to process. That is a very difficult thing for us to have to admit to. Um, I think it's as much a point of us admitting our own ignorance as it is us admitting that somebody else has let us down. Because I think that a big part of um, 
again, it's that capitulation of power. We all like to think, I think, that we have this kind of control over ourselves and control over our surroundings and control over the situations that we put ourselves in. And sometimes we just don't. And being able to admit, hey, I was wrong in my judgment of this. Um, I had this really great experience, but I failed to realize, or maybe I just wasn't allowed to see the other side of it. Um, That is a capitulation of power. It's a capitulation of any kind of control that you thought you had over yourself and of a situation. You know, you're, you're realizing, oh, crap, like... I was really, really blindsided by this. Um, I had no idea. And that's difficult for people, I think. Difficult. And that's why, I mean, again, going back to conversations that I've had with people, Angelica, yourself included, I do my best. And you know what? Um, It's also some bullshit. (laughs) But I as someone who has been in situations, even outside of the example that I gave, I know it is in my, uh, my best interest, but more so that it's in the best interest of trying to move forward to be calculated with my language, you know, and I, I tweeted this, it's like, you know, Malcolm X too militant, uh, Dr. King was too accommodating. Uh, Anita Hill was too articulate. She was too calm and articulate about being harassed that no one believed that she was actually harassed. But then if you are hysterical, air quotes, hard air quotes around hysterical, if you are hysterical or if you are crying, then you're, you're too emotional for anyone to believe you. At some point, Just say that you are not going to believe anyone who is saying anything bad about someone who you, who you admire. Right. That's the real issue. But anyway, I have found for my own sanity, for my own protection and for moving things forward that when I find myself in these situations, whether it's something that I've personally experienced or something that's being brought to my attention that I because I now I want to try and get us to like ways that we all here who are listening can act either on our own behalf or on the behalf of others I have found it best to ask clarifying questions because I've been in situations where and these situations drive me to drink (laughs) when I'll say something I'll speak up and then I'll have like people pull me to the side and say Erica you were saying exactly what I was thinking I'm so glad that you said something and here I am hella triggered probably attacked in an air quote professional setting and now I have people after the fact saying I'm so glad you said something where in my mind in my heightened state, all I can think is, well, where did you lose your voice mid-meeting and then you found it in the hallway? Like, why? Well, you know, I don't, I, I, if you really wanted to support me, I needed you to say something in real time in the, Mm -hmm. in the meeting. Yep. And I think that that is so important that you brought that up because I think that so often it is, melanated people it is black women who have to say that it is latinas who have to say it it is people of um you know 
I hate to say marginalized backgrounds, but you know, that's who it is. I mean, even in the wake of the Harvard investigation, look at how many of these people who have spoken up and put their names, their name with their whole chest. Right. Yeah. Those have been, you know, first need, you know, indigenous women who have spoken up and they are the ones who are saying, Hey, enough is enough. And I think that, that is such an important piece of it is that we need to realize that when we pull somebody else aside and are like, Hey, I'm glad you said something. We have to examine why we didn't feel the need to say something in the first place. And again, a lot of it may be the culture. There is a culture that's built of silence. There is a culture that's built of, you know, fear in a lot of situations, but you know, if you think about it, And I think that this also comes with being a little bit more aware of others around you. And I think, again, this is a big part of why, you know, things were kept quiet at Harvard for so long is because I think a lot of these players felt siloed. A lot of these players felt like they were isolated and they didn't necessarily realize what was going on. You know, even some players who may have been on the other side where they were Katie Stone's favorites, I think probably felt very separate from the other players. And that's why it's so easy for them to kind of live in this space where everything was good. And I had a wonderful experience and, you know, I, I'm so grateful for the time that I was there and this, that, and the other, and and pay dust to the women who didn't have that experience and didn't have that behind them microcosm of all the isms of the otherness that creates these marginalized communities because i heard your hesitation to use that term but the reason that term exists the reason why racism exists is because of otherness that has been arbitrarily created by science that is not based in any fact it would not hold up to the standard of of scientific integrity but it was created at a time where it didn't matter as long as you were white and a man and saying it you could justify it or if you and i say this as a christian so if anyone's going to come for anyone you can come straight for me you know wrapped in the cloth, uh, bathed in the water. You can come for me if you have a problem with what I'm going to say, but we hide also behind religion and Christianity chief among them in the United States. And we have to be cognizant of that. I can sit here and say with my whole chest, I am a believer in Jesus and I am a believer that things have been done in the name of Christianity that are deplorable. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, that's really big. And the only reason, the only reason I hesitate to use it is because I know that not everybody maybe thinks along the same lines that I do when I say marginalized communities, but they are communities that have been pushed to the margins. I'm actually reading a book that talks about this a lot. Um, It's uh, Our Migrant Souls by Hector Tobar. And um, it talks a lot about the arbitrary circumstances in which race has been determined and whiteness has also been determined yeah it plays a lot into this it's all again a um a refusal to capitulate power and it's a refusal to um allow anybody into your space that you may see as a threat um and so but when we ask questions especially if we are people who at least in the mind of the person who's wielding the power so we'll go back (laughs) Harvard. If there are coaches that are asking clarifying questions to Katie Stone, 
um, why are we doing a naked skate? Yeah. If the captains are saying, you know, why don't I do that, coach? I'll, I'll handle that. Right. If, if there's something yeah. that makes you feel uneasy, mm-hmm. and, if, and if someone that you respect, that you are in the trenches with, is telling you that this is not sitting well with me, and you consider yourself a leader, you consider yourself someone that has respect and trust in that other person, you have to find a way to work through your blind spots and your discomfort and at minimum ask clarifying questions. Right. Because I doubt that this is something that, and that's the thing, is that even if it's something where people say that they didn't have any idea, I, I find that very difficult, you know, just based on, you know, not to bring it back to the Chicago Blackhawks, but that's a very, very clear indication where people knew and they did not care. Exactly. Where players knew and they did not say anything. In fact, they made fun of Kyle Beach. They made a joke of it. You know, I'm not saying that that's what happened at Harvard as well. But that is something that very much could have happened. Well, and, and again, I'll put this on me because you're right. We can't speak for people at Harvard. What I can tell you is people who, when I was talking about that other outlet or any other experience that I've had, when mm-hmm. I've had people who I know, who I trust, have are good thinkers that are logical people, when I saw them not say anything, that... What, that is some of the most hurtful experiences you can have in a professional setting. Right. It, yeah, it is because so you're like, if a person who I know, or, or I, I should say, I believe to be a logical being can see what's happening, can see that we have crossed all professional barriers and they will not say anything. Th- I can't stay in this space because- right. There's no, I should say, I feel in those situations that there's no hope that right. I'm going to be heard. Um, and I'm certainly not going to be supported. Right. And I think that that's why it's so important for us to pay attention, especially if we're not in those groups. And especially if the experience that one person is saying is not the experience that we have had because it's very easy for us to dismiss that and kind of, again, go into our little bubbles of what we know to be true. It's a lot more difficult for us to truly become uncomfortable and to truly step outside of that comfort zone and be like, wow, okay, so why do you feel like it's necessary to treat this person this way? But I haven't been treated this way. What, like what, what are the differences there? Why do you feel like it's necessary or okay to treat this other person with such disrespect when you would never talk to me that way, when you would never treat me that way? You know, we, we need to get more uncomfortable we need to get more comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable and having those uncomfortable discussions. And we need to get more comfortable with paying attention. I know that everybody's got things going on in our, in our lives. We all have things that are going on. I'm not sitting here and saying that it's easy. If it were easy, anybody would do it, but we are 
supposed to watch out for one another and we are supposed to be the the people who will call that out we're journalists for god's sake like we're the people who are supposed to be blowing the whistle and if we can't do that then i don't know why we're here um another deep dive but um you (laughs) you said a few times get uncomfortable and shout out to taylor who's in here um who also works of course with black girl hockey club Yes, and that's what that campaign get uncomfortable is about yeah and, and and the reason i really want to and you know we have some things that we're, we're cooking up um black girl hockey club and black rosie media to further this but remember that there are people in the hockey space who every year do it for Darren and we'll tweet about bell. Let's talk and we'll say happy pride. And we have a small little cohort that will talk about black lives matter. It's growing. It's still small. Um, and we'll say trans lives matter. We need you to show up with that same energy to get uncomfortable about things. Maybe that you wouldn't choose necessarily to, um, you know, like, I'll, I'll I'll put this again on me. Like there are just certain things in these streets. I, Eric ain't doing. I'm not doing it. I'm not saying y'all y'all can't do it. But like, I'll use a really low low hanging fruit example or something that's doesn't. It's not consequential. Or I, at least I don't think it is. But like, cigar lounges. Not my vibe. Not my vibe. Do I think they should not exist? No. Like people smoke cigars. I don't. But other people do. You know. Right. So, like, if you can hold space for those small, minuscule day-to-day things, then let's expand that. It's like, okay, listen, there's certain things that that I that I am not. I am not a white woman. Do I think that they shouldn't exist? Of course not. You know. And so, if there are things that are unique to that community, it doesn't hurt me to hear. Um, you know. Anyway, it doesn't hurt me to hear from a community that I don't belong to. No. And then what you need to do is get the uncomfortableness starts first in learning and really hearing what what people are saying is a is a pain point for them. Sometimes you have to spend a lot of time in that hearing and just mm-hmm. hear what it is and just keep your mouth shut for a little bit. Yep. Just more, and, and that's where the uncomfortableness gets. Sometimes right. you just have to really sit there and listen and don't say anything until you're ready to listen intently. Right. And then if you're going to say something, have the first things that you say be questions, clarifying questions. Yep. The difference between any, any bunch of words that you batch together and then you put a question mark at the end of, because not every question is a question. No, but really I mean, seek yeah. to understand more. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is that we listen to respond when we should really be listening to understand. Um, and I think that this is, a, again, it's more for those groups that come from more privilege who have the opportunity to question a little bit more and just don't, um, you know, Myself as somebody who may have the ear of someone who has treated, say, 
you, Erica, unfortunately, you know, has treated you badly or who has dismissed your concerns. I can stand up and I can say, hey, you know, you and I, we have a good working relationship. Can we talk about this for a second? Can we talk about, you know, some of this stuff, obviously with not putting your name in it, but can we talk about the way that um, people, you know, other people feel that you could do better in this space to make it a more inclusive one for everybody. Um, somebody like Nicole Carrero, who understands that, uh, you know, the 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 uh, experience that her teammates ha- may have had is different from the experience she has. She can right. ask more clarifying questions and be like, you know, why is this? Why is this like this? Why didn't I see this before? You know, what made the 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 differences so stark and what made the contrast so stark in our experiences you know it's so important for people who have that opportunity who have that open line of communication to utilize that not just to anoint their hero not just to um not not just to speak about the positives but to address the things that are not positive to address the fact that these things have happened in the first place if you have a voice you need to use it and that is what i think everybody needs to take away from this is that if you are in that predicament where you don't have that same experience it is on you to now lift that burden off of the people who have come forward and carry that yourselves, realize how heavy it is, realize how serious the situation is, educate yourself and move forward and really resolve to do better. Yeah. And I think to try try and tie a loop on this and we do want to do more deep dives and maybe we'll even come back to this topic as well, but For the purposes of trying to figure out what's happening at Harvard in their women's hockey program, but also what we see, unfortunately, popping up in sports culture, I think we all have to ask clarifying questions. We all, I mean, I think it's a valid question to ask Harvard. I think it's a valid question to ask Chicago, even though, you know, we saw a a very valid question be asked of Chicago and they went off um, on a, on one of their beat reporters. I, I, I asked a clarifying question. Hey, what are we as a collective group doing to during black history month? And then listen to the responses. Listen to what Chicago said to one of their beat writers. Listen to the response that I got when I asked, hey, like, what are we as a group doing for Black History Month? And the response was, that's not an appropriate question for a Friday morning. Those answers are ridiculous and they're telling. So what are questions that are being asked of Harvard right now? Are there people that are asking questions privately? Maybe there are, but who are the people asking questions publicly and what is Harvard saying? These, regardless of how we feel, and we've alluded to some of that in this spaces, but at minimum, I think we can all agree that Harvard has some questions that they need to answer, especially as they, the one thing they did say in that retirement uh, release is that they will be looking for a new head coach. Yeah. So what what are what are the parameters there? What what are they looking for? Are they just going to put another person with um you know reports that are troubling? Are are they going to do that? Are are they going to just replace one uh, uh, negative with another? Are they going to do a more thorough vetting 
of these coaches? Are they going to listen to their players who remain in the program and what they want out of a coach? Um, are, are they going to take this seriously and not just kind of, again, slap a coat of paint on it and hope that it goes away? Now that Katie Stone is out of the, out of the picture, again, it's – it's Katie Stone, but it's bigger than Katie Stone at this point. It is a culture of silence that an entire university has allowed. Um, and that needs to be wrangled with more than any coach. You know, and, and we didn't say this off the top, but, you know, really want to give stick taps to the reporters from the Boston Globe Absolutely. and from The Athletic because they're asking extremely difficult questions and mm -hmm. I think that the least that we and you alluded to journalism and reporting I think the least that the rest of us can do because some of us are not hard-hitting or long-form reporters and that's okay and there are still questions that we can ask and so hopefully this is our way of starting that at the yeah. founding floor slash Black Rosie Media but also we need to take our own advice and so you know I'm I'm very um, determined. I don't want to stay excited because that doesn't seem appropriate, but I'm very determined to work with Angelica and work with uh, and, and to work on myself to figure out what my discomforts have been around talking a little bit more about that, why I haven't quote unquote made time and all of the other justifications that I've given. And I'm going to sit with that. Yeah. And where are the spaces where I, I can ask questions and I can do what I say that I do, which is to uplift and empower women in sports. And yeah. that means having difficult conversations and asking difficult questions. And so, you know, I'm putting that on me as much mm -hmm. as asking that of us, the, the collective we of women's hockey. Yeah. And I mean, and for my part, I think I can do much of the same. I can look at kind of where I may have been quiet and I may have not, I may have known things that, were problematic or known things that could lead to a bad situation down the line. And I'll question myself and I'll be like, you know, why didn't I say that sooner? Why I knew that I was in a position to be able to say that, what was holding me back? Um, and what can I do to be a little more um, forthcoming and a little bit more upfront in that space? Um, I think that a lot of us, especially those of us who have a little bit more privilege within the community, need to really do that and need to really figure out, you know, if we're taking these pledges and we're, um, you know, saying that we're about that life, we need to be about that life. We need to be people who stand up for others and who stand up for the truth. You know, I don't just sit here and say, you know, I'm, I'm about something and then not follow up on it. What, what kind of BS is that? Um, you know, for me, it's, it's also not really necessarily giving a platform to those who don't feel ready yet to explore their own blind spots when it comes to that. You know, for example, I have a, um, I have a book review series and uh, it's on the ice garden and um, I was going to review Angela Rogero's book. Now I'm not going to, um, I've read it before. I have it. I refuse to review it until, you know, maybe somebody needs to wake her up and have that conversation with her. If she's open to having the conversation with me, if she ever hears this, I doubt she will, but if she does, I'm willing to have a conversation with her, but I'm not giving a platform to somebody 
publicly who refuses to kind of open up their eyes to that and refuses to kind of get uncomfortable in the way that we're talking. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, there, we have to just be mindful that there are, that the, the work looks different for different people. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's sometimes what can stymie progress is that it's like, well, if this is what, wokeness air quotes looks like then you know that's not me and it's like well what is wokeness it's become this you know slang but it is an awakening like we we revere philosophy and and all of these ancient practices of becoming aware that's what woke is you've just you know you've just modernized how the the delivery it's it's slang it's an awakening we as as a culture we embrace awakening whether that's through religion and all of these things so we need to have an awakening not just a reckoning but an awakening and and to to heal that's just as important yeah absolutely and you know it's so funny the same people who say about you know wokeness you know call the rest of us sheep and it's like those things are so incompatible you have no idea you know it's just like can you listen to what you're saying you know you're calling me a sheep for opening up my eyes to the fact that this institution this person this team this um you know coach whoever it is is doing something that perpetuates a culture in which we are too scared to speak up. That is ridiculous to me, but okay, go off girl. (laughs) There are questions that need to be answered that have not been answered. I can't speak to whether they are conversations. And you know, this goes to something that again, unfortunately related to the the other stuff that I was talking about, but, but when it came to the premier hockey federation and people Mm -hmm myself included, calling for the Riveters and calling for uh, Rebecca Russo and at the time Kelly Babstock to speak up. It got Mm -hmm. to a point for me where I was like, this doesn't seem that it's going to be happening. So I'm not going to continue to talk about it. But I've gone on the record and I maintain that more needed to be done. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have also spoken that I've known and I've been privy to things that have happened that were private to the team, but that's not on me to report, especially in the, um, in the the relationship in which I, I became aware of those things. That's not on me to report those things. And I did not learn about them in a manner where I was looking to report, Uh, you know, those are all, but, but I think it's fine to say, and I, again, saying it, what is today, uh, June 13th, 2023. (laughs) So we're like, I'm still, I maintain the same thing. Something should have been said. Something should have been said by those individuals. It wasn't, I've moved on from that, but I remain, I, I, I remain as one who believes that that should have happened. And when this inevitably happens again, what are we, how have we learned? Right. And I think that we also need to kind of question a little bit more, like how indicative is, is this of the problems within women's hockey as well? I mean, we we point the finger at men's hockey all the time and, and for good reason, because the NHL has proven time and again that they have no idea how to have these conversations. They have no idea how to really conduct uh, as as thorough of an investigation as they need to and hold people to account the way they really need to but 
that doesn't mean our kitchen's clean either. You know, that, that doesn't mean that we don't have things that we need to look at. Or pride jerseys in the world are going to take yeah. them away. No. Soroya Tinker, an active player who just re-signed with uh, Toronto. We talked about that on our last basis. Um, had a group of people on the interwebs um, demanding that she be jailed. Yeah. You know, um, now, one of the people who supported, you know, is, is on TNT talking about the Stanley Cup final. Right. You know, and also, you know, we are having a conversation about pride jerseys when the PHPA has been involved with people who are openly transphobic and uh, have supported very transphobic views. Yeah. Um, These are valid questions. These are valid questions. I mean, we might have to get into this on another another spaces because uh, so. eventually have to transition to watch the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Or excuse me, I choose uh, to do that. I don't like. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But you know, you know, I'm working on my language intentionally. I, I choose, know. I know. <laughs> I choose uh, to do that. Um, but yeah, like the, the we. We can we can hold space for multiple things at a time. We know yeah. that the WHPA is predominantly run by women who are are, are queer and who are very open. Um, a, a decent amount of them are open with their relationships, and mm-hmm. we love we love that for all of us. Mm-hmm. And intersectionality is what a lot of us are calling for, and you're absolutely right. We need to do a better job talking about that intersectionality when it comes to women's hockey, but that's why we have the Founding Four, hosted by two Latinas with spicy hockey takes. Because That was smooth. That was smooth. I like that. I I do what I can. Do what I can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I mean, this is a conversation that we are always willing to have. This is a conversation that I don't think will go away anytime soon, unfortunately, but it's something that I really encourage you guys to join in on with us. I encourage everyone here to join in. Um, I encourage anybody listening on playback, anybody listening once this goes up, uh, you know, uh, for anywhere you get your podcasts, you know, think about that and think about what you can do to further the conversation, expand it and make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. And that if it is still happening, we, we can root it out and just make the sport better. The obvious, you know, end goal is to leave the sport better than we found it. And that's just what we want to do. So thank you guys all for listening. Uh, Erica, any last words? I just want to shout out everybody. I feel like at one point or another, I can certainly speak for myself and I would imagine for Angelica to an extent as well. So many people here in this space have been so supportive, um, have been inspiring, have been great listeners and have worked in allyship on my behalf. Um, And certainly as I've tried to work in allyship with other people. So Mike, CJ, we see you in here. Daisy, Maddie, uh, Taylor and Steph, thank you so Mm -hmm. much. Yeah. And of course, you too, Angelica. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I try. No, but honestly, I mean, like I said, these these conversations are so important and I love having them. Uh, much love to everybody listening uh, and having them with us. And for Erica Elayala, I am Angelica Rodriguez. And uh, thank you for joining us today. I know it was a little tougher um, of, of, a, of a listen, but, you know, we absolutely love you guys. Um, we love our listeners. I love you, Erica. Uh, and I can't wait to just do good things together.
<laughs> I know it's so mushy. It's so mushy. I know. I got back from a, a weekend with my girlfriend. I don't know how to act, but um, <laughs> all the people. Oh my god! I love how this devolved immediately as soon as we saw an opportunity. Um, but everybody here, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, make sure to catch it on playback. And uh, again, join the conversation. We're always open to having it. And uh, we will catch you in the next one. Bye, y'all. Take care, everybody.